Normalizing Mediocrity. Hi, I'm Neil Headley. Welcome to The Voice in My Head for Monday, April 18, 2022. A friend of mine started something of a tempest in a teapot on the Twitter machine the other day when he expressed the opinion that podcasters should take their craft a little more seriously. Unpopular opinion alert, he's not wrong. It would be very easy to assume that this episode is about podcasting, but if you're a regular listener of The Voice in My Head, you'll already know that I'm a big fan of the things that we can learn in one discipline that can easily be applied to others. So stay tuned, because there's something here for everyone from podcasters to billion-dollar advertisers. My very strong hunch is that my friend Tanner Campbell, who does a terrific show called Good Morning Podcasters, would love for the current ownership murkiness at Twitter to be over with so their developers can go back to focusing on that edit button that people seem to be clamoring for. Because wow, did a number of egos appear to get bruised with Tanner's expression of frustration with something that he later admitted could have been worded more elegantly. What was unfortunate was that the outrage overshadowed the intent, and the message itself was left largely ignored, and that's too bad because he was actually on to something. When I'm working with clients, whether it's coaching talent, writing a radio commercial, or editing and launching a podcast, I'm hyper-conscious of having a solid foundation in the why of virtually everything we do. Why that voice instead of this one? Why that turn of phrase? Why use the word obsessed and not the word infatuated? Why do we pick that piece of music? Part of me thinks that's something I picked up in the eight years that I was doing stand-up because there are plenty of people who will tell you in comedy that a comic should be getting a laugh every 10 to 12 seconds. Any longer than that, and the audience is getting bored. So when you've got 12 seconds left to come up with and say something funny, you become acutely aware that every syllable matters. But mostly the idea of making the most effective use of words comes from my background as a copywriter. And if you're new to the show, you probably don't know that I wrote my first national award-winning radio commercial at the age of 15. And I got my first job as an ad agency creative director three years after that. And part of my early education as a copywriter involved learning the minutia of what made the difference between advertising that succeeded and advertising that failed. It goes on to form the basis of the course in copywriting that you're about to hear details about in a few minutes. But it's always been my opinion that science forms the base that art rests on. Advertising legend Bill Bernbach said, Research helps you find out what to say. You owe it to research to say it in a fresh new way. But research paves the way for you to get whatever you're working on right. And while I'm a huge fan of, I don't know, what do you want to call it? The democratization of media where, you know, content generation has come down from the ivory tower and can now be done by anyone that records sound or images. There's something of a disquieting trend that has surfaced among some of those same content generators. And it's what I think Tanner might've been trying to shed some light on. The moment you decide to share a piece of media, whether it's a song you post on SoundCloud a photo you post to your Facebook profile, a video on YouTube, or a podcast episode, there's no getting away from your intent. 
you're putting something out into the world for others to check out. Even if you're just putting up a cute photo of your toddler so that Aunt Gretchen in Schenectady can feel like she's part of the kid's first steps, you're putting content out there so someone else can enjoy it. And even in that simple example, you've made a deliberate decision to share something that you think Aunt Gretchen will enjoy. So, to a degree, whether it's subconscious or not, there's a touch of research there so that you would know exactly what specific photo to share with her. And if she neither clicks like nor calls your cell to marvel at your little one's cat-like reflexes, you're probably going to wonder why. Because your whole purpose in sharing that something was for someone else to consume it. I had a conversation with a radio station owner once who said to me, and terrifyingly this is a quote, I don't care what the audience thinks. I want a station that's programmed for what I want to hear. All the ratings do is periodically tell me how many people are smart enough to agree with me. And terrifying quote. Except that that's not broadcasting. That's an iPod. Mind you, this is the same owner that I gave the nickname the Emperor with no clothes because their entire business model was based on having adoring minions in the hallways praising them as a quirky genius when in fact the common thread through the entirety of their career could be displayed with the image of a big fish in an incredibly small pond because by always searching out the waters where literally no one was interested in fishing, this owner had found a way to scrape together the loose change left in the couch cushions by the big players in the market and literally never had to compete head-to-head with anyone, ever, because nobody wanted the audience that this owner was courting. If you never have to compete, then you never risk losing. And if you never lose, you never have to stop and examine whether your skill set might be inferior. If you truly don't care what the audience thinks, there's no need to share anything. If you don't care about an audience, hey, Write your book in pen on the pages of a lined notebook and go back and pat yourself on the back for having done the hard work of writing an entire book. If you don't care about an audience, do you really need anything other than the preview screen on your camera to review the footage you just shot? Hey, can't you just patch your piano into your headphones and play the songs that you wrote in the privacy of your bedroom? Couldn't you and your buddies have that riveting conversation comparing Star Wars to Star Trek in a phone call? In over 40 years in the content creation industry, I have never met a single successful content creator who didn't care about the audience. Because the truth is, we cast in the hopes of getting a nibble at the other end. Otherwise, everything we work on would just stay on our hard drives. So hopefully we got that part resolved once and for all. Now, on to the rest of the story. First, this very important message. Do you want to learn to be a copywriter? Me too. Because only a terrible writer would start a commercial with a question like that. I'm the artificial intelligence bot that people use to write commercials and advertising copy. And to be honest, I suck at it. 
Do you like the music in the background? It doesn't really serve a purpose, but I put it in the script anyway because in case you forgot, I suck at copywriting. I may not be able to improve my copywriting skills, but you can. Go to copywriting101.live. That's copywriting101.live. And register for Neil's new copywriting course. Evo Terra says copywriting is something that serious podcasters need to master if they want to grow their shows. But what does he know? He's only in the podcasting hall of fame. If you think that maybe someone who's been winning copywriting awards since 1983 might be able to teach you a thing or two, use the coupon code RUTABEGA and get $100 off if you sign up before May 2nd. Yes, I said the coupon code is RUTABEGA. Stop judging me, or I will copy and paste your browser history on Facebook. The class only holds 10 participants so use the coupon code before it sells out. Go to copywriting101.live. That's copywriting101.live. If we can agree that we put things out into the world for other people to consume, don't we at some point have to consider those other people? I mean, emperor with no clothes aside, I think everyone on the planet would have to put that one in the duh column. Now, to me, that consideration happens twice, and both steps are critical. First, there's the consideration of identifying who you're talking to. If you want to get into the weeds on how to do this, I'd recommend the eighth episode in this series called Don't Find a Niche. But I can sum up the reason it's so important by looking at a tweet I saw from someone last week who was talking about the avatar for their show and described their target audience as, quote, men between 18 and 55, end quote. Now, to me, That's not narrow enough. I mean, imagine standing in a room filled with 18-year-old men. Then imagine that room instead being filled with 55-year-old men. Wouldn't you talk to those audiences differently? You know, different references, different turns of phrase, maybe even a whole different attitude? Now, there are times when you can get away with a broad definition of your audience. Yes, you absolutely can make a movie for superhero comic book fans. But a podcast about superhero movies? There are thousands upon thousands of those already. So put in the work, do the research, and figure out what's going to make yours different. Especially if you're going to get someone else involved to help you do it. Now second, there's reviewing what you're doing to see if it's working. That's where things you've heard about like A-B testing come in, where there are Two versions of an ad that are only different from each other in one minor way. So the creators of the ad can figure out what's working and what isn't. There are movies that have been pulled and completely rewritten because of the reaction of the audience at a preview screening. Does the audience for your radio station drop off sharply every day at 12 noon? Okay, so go back and look at what you're doing at noon and stop doing that thing or at least find a way to improve it so as to minimize the perpetual damage. And that's where some more egos may have been bruised by something that then I tossed into the conversation. See, the state of play for most podcasts right now is that ad rates for pre-roll ads, you know, at the beginning of an episode, are higher than mid-roll ads that show up halfway through. And in turn, mid-roll rates are higher than post-roll rates for ads that play when 
you know, most or all of the content is over. Now, that data just seems to have been accepted as a fact of life by a, a startling number of podcasters. And plenty of them don't even check to see if their audience numbers over the course of an episode wane. Look, if half the audience had walked out of a movie by the halfway point, we would assume that the movie must be terrible. If you gave up on a book when you had still 60 pages left, it's pretty safe to assume that you lost interest in what you were reading, or more accurately, that the book and the author failed to keep you interested. But for some reason, in the podcast world, the audience giving up on you halfway through has, in some circles, just become accepted as a thing that listeners do. <laughs> Look, the, the Marvel movies have figured out a way to get people to sit all the way through to the end credits. You know, they pop up bonus scenes and content that don't come up until the last name in the credits has scrolled by. The TV series, 24 used to keep people riveted to the screen through the end of the credits by giving viewers a really compelling sneak peek at next week's episode. So, don't tell me that it can't be done. It just means that someone hasn't done the work of making it happen. Let's stop normalizing mediocrity. If people are skipping through your content, whether that's your podcast episode, your book, or your ads on YouTube, it means they're not interested. And isn't that why you released your content in the first place? To make it available for someone who would find it interesting? YouTube is actually a terrific example of this idea. The very existence of a skip ad button and the lack of a play ad again button points out with a giant neon sign to the users. It says, what you're about to see isn't worth watching. For crying out loud, fix it. All right, you can stick a fork in episode 13 of The Voice in My Head. It's done. But listen, if we were to get together at a meeting and any of what I just told you would inspire you to pick up the tab for the coffee, feel free to buy me a virtual coffee to say thanks. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash nop. And NOP is spelled K-N-O-P-P. -P. You can also find a transcript of this episode and a bunch of other goodies at NOPstudios.com. And listen, if this or any of the other episodes in this series have you thinking, you know, this Headley guy might have a clue. Well, maybe. Let's not assume. Drop me a note. Maybe there's something we can do to help you. My email address, neil at NOPstudios.com. Till next time. Thanks for listening to The Voice in My Head. I'm Neil Headley. <laughs>